Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. Well, Andrew, we have already had a guest this month of November, National Novel Writing Month. We talked to a couple girls who wrote a novel, and in continuing with that theme, I thought it would be fun to talk to another pair of siblings. This is a brother and sister who have actually written a series of novels. Well, yes, actually, I think if I recall correctly, Cecilia is the novelist. And Solomon is the history writer. So uh, when did you both start your book writing project? You were around 14, 15, something like that? Yes, uh, I was 14 years old when I started writing my first book. And I'm 17 years old right now, and I'm still writing. Okay, and you have, uh, your first book was The War Rages On. Is that correct? And the second one is... The War Within. The War Within, that's right. And uh, so I guess your third book will have to also be about war. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the epistrophe there, the war rages on, the war within, the war without, the war in the sky, the war of the worlds. Oh, wait, that one's taken. <laughs> well, who got the idea first? You were wanting to write fiction, Solomon Loves History. Uh, who was the first one in the family to say, I'll write a whole book. Uh, that would be me. So I started writing when I was 14 years old. I started writing The War Rages On when I was 14 years old. And I left it for about two years. I was working on it on and off for about two years. And I never really had anticipated that it would end up being published. It was just kind of like a fun side project. But I definitely, from the beginning, I started writing it, knew I wanted it to be a full book. And then Solomon uh, came up with his idea to write a history book a little while uh, after that. Like some siblings, I'm sure that you were a little bit like, you're copying me, you know, I'm the book writer. Or were you more of the generous, loving, mutually supportive type of sibling who said, isn't it wonderful? We can both be authors. Yes, the second option for sure. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) How long, Cecilia, did it take you to, well, you said that you kind of worked on and off for a couple years. So I guess, yeah, yeah, two years. Uh, The second book, you had one book under your belt there. How long did it take you from start to finish to, to get that one done? Well, with The War Within, I was way more dedicated because I knew for sure that this one was going to be published. And I started it in September of 2016. And everything, the editing and the publication, everything was finished by February of 2017. So the writing itself was about a five-month process, plus about uh, one and a half, two months of editing. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which do you feel was uh, the easier or better way uh, to stretch it out over a longer period of time or to just crank it out you know, full speed? Um, I'd definitely say cranking it out at full speed just because I think a lot of 
laziness comes with dragging it out over a long period of time. Like there would be three to four months that would pass when I was writing the first book and I wouldn't do anything. Whereas having an end goal in mind really kept me motivated and I was able to get a lot more done in a shorter amount of time. So it was just really more efficient. Yeah, that's good. You know, the uh, the famous uh, fantasy writer, Christopher Paolini, who wrote the Aragon series, uh, he was homeschooled. And in one interview, he said uh, he's sure that if he had not been homeschooled, he never would have had the time to write books the way he did when he was a teenager. Uh, I guess he wrote the first Aragon book, Teenager. Uh, would you agree with that? Does the flexibility of homeschooling make a huge difference? What would it have been like, do you think, to try and write the book if you were, you know, going to school, you know, every day? Uh, yeah, I definitely agree that homeschooling opens up a world of possibilities. And my mom and I have talked about that on several occasions. If I became homeschooled when I was in seventh grade, so I really hadn't started the high school years of school with the intense amount of homework that I would have had. But already I was coming home with one to two hours of homework in sixth grade, and I really just don't know how I would have had the time to write it. And I was also focused on different things when I went to school. So writing a book would probably never have even been on my radar screen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I've met, I've met kids who like the idea of writing historical fiction. And so then they come up with some plot and they put characters in and they put places but it's pretty evident from reading what they wrote, they didn't do much research uh, because their characters are out of sequence or didn't live at the same time or the place they're talking about is not the place where that person lived. You know, some of those kind of awkwardnesses. Uh, so I understand that people who do historical fiction uh, have to do, you know, a good amount of research so that they don't confuse things that are a matter of historical record. Did you find that that was true uh, writing uh, about the Civil War? Well, I definitely found that the history curriculum that my brother and I have used for the past several years definitely gave me a more broad amount of knowledge about the topic. And also with my books, I did do some research. I tell people that if you want the facts about the Civil War, Solomon's book is really more for that. Whereas I originally had just come up with a good storyline, uh, so my book isn't uh, factually based, meaning not tons of facts about the Civil War. It's mainly just a story to encourage people in their faith that's set during the Civil War. But with that, I did have to do some research, but like I said, not an incredible amount because it wasn't meant to give people uh, the facts. Cecilia, when you said that about it's not the facts, I was hearing you even before you say it it's the setting of the Civil War, which I'm sorry, I just have to bring in IEW. So this is kind of a unit three big time where the setting is the Civil War, but all that happens may or may not have actually happened in history, the conflict in your book, but the setting is accurate as much as you could have made it accurate. Correct. Using your brother's research perhaps as a way to help you. Yeah, Solomon definitely, I had asked him for just some things I needed to know because I know uh, he had read so much about the subject, and that's an area where he's particularly interested. So he's done a lot of research on the Civil War just because he enjoys learning about it. So I definitely had several questions that I asked him throughout the writing of my book. That's neat to have a, a history buff, even a, a junior historian, right there at the dinner table that you can uh, check things out with. And I'm sure knowing Solomon <laughs> the way I do, 
if you ask him a question, he didn't know the answer. He says, I will find out for you and get right back to you. Yes. <laughs> well, um, I do want to move on to Solomon. I did have uh, one more question. Uh, you know, I meet a lot of people out there in their young teens, early teens, even, you know, late teens who would like to write a book. What advice would you have for, say, your 14-year-old self? If you, knowing what you know now, if you could go back and give yourself some tips, what, what few pointers might you offer? I probably would say first that they'd check out the book that actually you guys sell on your website, which would be a guide to writing your novel by Lee Roddy. I found that extremely helpful while writing particularly The War Within. But if they wanted a step-by-step process, first I'd say if you come up with a good idea, you write it in one sentence, mainly just summarizing the main gist of the book. So, like, this is a story of a boy who gets eaten by a tiger. Like, that would be their one sentence. And then they'd the second step would be to expound on that and write a synopsis. So just, like, a couple paragraphs giving the overall plot line of the book and what they want to happen in the end. I think it's really important to keep the end goal in mind of where you want your story to to end up because otherwise there are just so many tracks that you could go down and you could end up wasting a lot of time uh, trying to, to figure out where you want your story to go. And then I'd say once you have your synopsis, you really want to think about your, your characters and work on developing your characters, particularly obviously in a, a fiction book, and round your characters out as much as you possibly can. And obviously for a book like Salomon's, I'm sure he'll talk more about that, but doing the amount of research that you need to write a nonfiction book. And also, uh, for me, it was mainly, it was hugely a matter of prayer. I was praying about it constantly that the Lord would just give me wisdom because writing a book obviously is no easy task. It was really a huge part of my writing process, um, praying and also keeping an orderly schedule. It was, I had a goal actually written on a piece of paper saying when I wanted to finish my book, and I put that up on the mirror in my bedroom so that every day it was one of the first things that I'd see when I woke up. So it would keep me on track and just keep me motivated. And I think that really helped with the war within, just having an end goal in mind and trying to stick to that goal as much as possible. So Cecilia, that is excellent advice. Um, Plan. Don't just start writing without a plan. You get yourself in trouble. Uh, plan, pray. That's excellent. And then your little, you know, reminders to yourself every day. Uh, excellent, excellent advice. So, uh, where is the easiest way for people to buy the books? Uh, the War Rages On, The War Within. It would be either Amazon, but we'd recommend that people would go to our website, which is historybytes.com. Historybytes.com. Historybytes, all one word, B-I-T-E-S.com. And uh, your two books are available. And if you get the third one done, uh, that will be, of course, a big announcement for us as well. And I'm hoping I will get another autographed copy to complete my set of your trilogy. Definitely. I'm hoping to have that done by February of next year. So February 2018, I'm hoping to have the third book in the series done. Well, I and yes, see, see you at a conference shortly afterwards then. Yes, and you will definitely be getting an autographed copy. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing I wanted to mention here, because this is something I talk about all the time, um, 
when I meet, you know, homeschool families and teenagers, my attitude is just don't do high school. You know, just skip it. Just go straight to college. And I think <laughs> actually, you've done the, that to um, some degree. Well, my, um, Cecilia is actually doing dual credit at home so that by the time she finishes her senior year this year, she will have simultaneously earned her associate's degree. And if we had learned about dual credit at home sooner, she could have potentially completed her bachelor's degree while completing high school at the same time. So live and learn. I have three more children. Cecilia's our guinea pig being the oldest. So um, just say a few words about that idea of doing college work while you're in high school. Um, I assume it's a combination maybe of maybe some online classes, some live classes, some club tests. Was that particularly hard or did you feel like you could fit it in and it wasn't a huge added burden on you? It's mainly a matter of, for me, I love being able to do work that I know is killing two birds with one stone, so to say. So I'm getting all my high school credits that I need out of the way and also a majority of my college credits out of the way as well. And doing it at home allows me to just save so much money that I would have to spend if I went to a local college to get those um, general education credits. So it's just really a great opportunity to get to do that. It's a huge money saver. And I found that it, for the most part, it's easy. I mean, obviously, it's, it's hard work. I wouldn't consider any of the tests like super hard and undoable. There are some that are harder than others, uh, for sure. But like the one that I'm doing right now is humanities. And I'm absolutely, I just love studying humanities because it's a lot of the things I love, which is music, literature, drama. So some of the tests I've actually really enjoyed studying for. Good. Well, we better uh, shift over and talk to Solomon a little bit now. Uh, Solomon, are you also doing uh, college credit while you're in high school? Um, I'm going to. I'm not doing any right now. I'm in biology, and my mom's planning that at the end of the year, I'm just going to take the biology test while it's still fresh in my brain. Good. So I met you many years ago. You wrote your first book when you were how old? I started writing it when I was 11, and I finished it when I was 12. 12, yeah, that's fantastic. History Bites. What motivated you to collect up these interesting things about history and, and gather them together in one volume? Well, my parents and I talked a little bit, and I talked about how I wanted to write something for kids on history to help them learn more basic facts of U.S. history. And so my dad told us when we went to the Sandusky Convention two years ago now, he said, all right, go there and look through the books and see if there's anything like you want to do. And I looked through, and out of the many books I looked through, there was nothing like I wanted to do and nothing I'd ever really seen before. So I started working on it, and slowly, like, for my first one, I think I did about a section every week or so, and the or maybe a section or two every week, and slowly it just started developing, and then we started editing it, and it was published a few weeks before Cecilia's first book, and then my dad had the idea of, why don't we go to some conventions to sell them? And at first I thought he was kidding, and, but then we went to the one in Nashville where we met you and Mr. Cameron and Mr. Bill Potter, who obviously they each reviewed my book both books like you did eventually. So our first convention actually ended up being our most profitable as far as meeting people goes. Well, wow. well, that's neat. Uh, you must have put in a lot of time gathering together the research for this. Do you have 
any guesstimate as to how many hours it took you just to do the research for your first book? The first one um, I did two years ago, so my, I don't remember as well. But the second one, I worked on it for about a whole summer straight. Each day I do a section or two. And each day I probably did three hours of research for several weeks in a row. So probably all in all up in the hundreds for the president's one. Well, one thing that's a little different between uh, your book and Cecilia's books, hers are novels, so they're written like novels. They don't have illustrations. Um, Your book is very visually rich. You've got uh, some pretty catchy graphics. You've got some maps pictures and a lot uh, that makes this book just you open it up and it's just fun to see. Uh, did you do the graphics? Did you have a friend or, or someone you hired? Who, who who laid out this and made it look so awesome? So for the first book, my mom and a graphic designer would spend hours at the kitchen table trying to uh, get the pictures in and develop the logo and the title page. We have the first copy of my book where the illustrations on the front were completely different and it's fun to look at that and see what the old copy looked like and then he helped us also develop what the caricature of me would look like for each fun fact in the layout and then for my second book we had a close friend of my dad's who's also a graphic designer help us with that one and that one was a lot longer but my dad actually learned from him and did a lot of the graphic design work himself with my mom's help so it really it really was a a major family project really to yes especially my mom and editing it like I would go through each book once or twice but she'd do a lot of the editing herself being a school teacher or um school teacher in her 20s and the second book was a really hard to edit because there were so many sections and we we probably ended edited that one I don't know probably I edited it three or four times and my mom edited it edited it a lot more than I did so we ended up editing the second one quite a bit and it was a lot of work for several months my dad would be at the kitchen table for hours most nights bending his neck over the laptop and so now his neck still hurts from that and he makes a joke he calls it his history bites neck (laughs) his history bites neck like a a bite (laughs) Not a pain in the neck, but a history bites neck. I love it. Um, yeah. Now I know that, uh, you have had now a few opportunities to speak at conferences. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you were, I think, at the one in Rogers, Arkansas, where I was, or maybe it was uh, uh, Nashville, or maybe both. And I, I here, here's what I thought. I thought, I better go and sit in on Solomon's talk because... I don't know if a lot of people are going to be so interested in an overview of, you know, U.S. history presented by a teenager. I'll go in, sit there, smile at him, make him feel good. So here's what happened. I showed up and it was standing room only. I couldn't even get close to the door. There were people in the hallway. So you've, you've obviously got uh, some degree of, of interest in your in your presentations. What's that like to be? You know, speaking at a conference mainly for homeschooling parents, only, you know, you're what, 16 years old or something? 14. Okay, yeah, even worse or better. Uh, (laughs) 
Well, my first few sessions, I actually like speaking better than actually writing. I enjoy speaking at the conferences more than I did writing the books. Um, but that's really because the first year I remember, my first lecture was in this little room in Atlanta and at the TTD convention. And I was super nervous that first year, 2016. And I got another one on an overview of U.S. history at Sandusky that same year. And then this year, I think, as you know, I added on a session about who I think are the top five best and uh, bottom five worst presidents and why. And that was really interesting. Um, it got a lot of people to come and listen to it. And when we went to the one in Cincinnati this year, I remember I had – it was the biggest room I've ever had. It probably could seat up to 250 people. And I remember as I was going through my bottom five – Worst list, um, I was going through and naming them, and they started applauding me for my choices, and that was really nice because it made me feel a lot more at ease when I was speaking. But my dad said definitely this year I got a lot better with my public speaking skills, and I'm hoping next year, because I'm adding on another lecture next year, to, do, um, to develop my public speaking skills even more. Awesome. Well, one thing I learned is if you want to hear Solomon Schmidt speak at a conference, get there early or you won't necessarily have a seat. So that's, that's Yeah, great. I was so bummed, Mr. Pudwal, when my dad said that you came up with your coffee mug ready to sit down. And he's like, well, Mr. Pudwal was standing out there and he couldn't get in because there were people on the floors. I remember that one um, in Nashville. My PowerPoint wasn't working but there were, there were kids on the floor. There were people in the back. I remember my brother Judah was sitting in, and he was sitting in the back, but it was so overcrowded with people I couldn't even see him. And I didn't even know you had come up because there were people standing in the doorway. But I remember I was so upset when you weren't able to come in for that one. But then I remember you came in for the Orlando show. Right. I did sit in your talk there, yeah. Um, just to um, talk briefly, uh, both of you, Solomon um, and Cecilia, you have done our online classes with, uh, I think, uh, Mrs. White and maybe a couple other teachers over time. Uh, would you like to say how did those online classes help you in the process of becoming your published authors? Definitely the way they teach you how to structure even just basic things like a paragraph and also the dress-ups and sentence openers and not making it so dull and full of number one openers and um, lame quality adjectives. Mrs. White was really helpful in that and I know Mrs. Tribble was really helpful in the first year of getting me into KWO. Miss Kelly, she was really helpful and if it hadn't been for Miss Kelly, I would have come into Miss White's class and been so confused because I wouldn't have known anything about um, MCs and dependent clauses and all the different rules that IEW teaches you. And so she was a really effective and nice teacher for that reason. I am working on my lecture for next year, and I'm taking all these notes from different books, and I am doing them all KWO style, and it helps me so much go through it much quicker and I still know what I wrote and what's also nice is when you don't want to plagiarize a book you just write down the 
obviously the main words from the sentence, but then when you restructure the sentence your way, which you have to do with KWO, it automatically makes you not plagiarize because your sentence structure is different. It's just really helpful and a lot quicker. I noticed in things when I'm listening to speeches and people talk, it's a, it's a much more efficient and fast way of taking notes. Like I'll observe people taking notes around me and they'll be writing out full sentences, but I can just get through notes really quick when I just do it KWO style. Excellent. Well, and Cecilia, anything you would say about what you gleaned from uh, your classes with Mrs. White that helped you in the book writing process? Yes, um, definitely the creative writing assignments. Uh, I particularly liked the few that we did where uh, Mrs. White would give us like a three pictures, it was a sequence of three pictures, and we'd have to create this whole like short story based on those three pictures. And I remember those creative writings were some of the best ones that I did, just particularly because I like writing novels. And Mrs. White was also just a tremendous help during the entire writing process. I remember when I was writing The War Rages On, I'd be sending her emails. We'd have emails back and forth because I sometimes wouldn't know how to uh, I've had a, f a funky sentence that I wouldn't quite know how to punctuate, and so I'd send it to her, and I'd say, okay, I need a little help with this, and she was just so wonderful. She actually um, edited a large portion of my first book. I believe it was actually the whole book. I sent it to her via email, and she just marked it up and helped me a lot with the correct punctuation. And I remember too, when I told her I was starting to write with The War Within, she gave me some really good tips. And I was able also to send her the first two uh, chapters of The War Within to edit. And through that, she was just able to tell me, you know, what areas I might need to work on while I was writing the rest of the book. And she would, she told me she would, had, would have edited the entire book, but she was just so busy with writing the Fix-It Grammar that she didn't have any time, but she was very instrumental in me writing both of my books. Wow, that's great. Um, last thing, I heard a rumor that you are, as a team, as a family, uh, getting into script writing and movie making. Is that true? Uh, yes. We've, um, in 2015, if you don't mind, I'll just tell you a little story. In 2015, I remember sitting down, and I think it was after I watched a Robin Hood movie. I said, hey, let's, I had just gotten a Robin Hood costume, so I said, hey, let's go out and make a Robin Hood movie with uh, me and my brother. And so we went out and made this awful five-minute movie, but that turned into all four of us making a, an actual 15-minute film of Robin Hood with different characters and an actual script that I wrote. Then that turned into a few months later doing about a 20-minute film on King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. And then about a year later, so about a year ago, we, I came up with an idea for a screenplay called Scarred, which is um, a story about um, a kid who's the son of a king and a queen, but his parents are tragically killed. And there's... There's a whole storyline behind it that we, all six of us did. My parents got involved in that one. They played the king and the queen. And then this year, we just finished a few weeks ago making an hour-long film as a sequel to this one. 
and Scarred had been about 27 minutes long, and Cecilia and I worked on a very long screenplay for this one, which turned into an hour of film, which for us would be like a normal three-hour movie, and all six of us were in that one, and we had our friends, the Antis, help us in that one, too, and that one we just got out on DVD a few weeks ago. That was a lot of work, but we did through it. Oh, wow. So you, you're going to be selling this in the next convention season, your homemade movies on DVD. Is that something I can look forward to getting? No, but we can send you a copy. We're not going to be selling it, but we can certainly send you a copy of it, of Forgiven, if you want. But it, no, they're oh, not going to be yeah. for sale. It, that is very sweet of you to assume. It's very amateur, and it's primarily just for all the family to get good laughs at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, tell you, uh, Mom, do you have any last kind of words uh, for other moms out there who have uh, teenagers or children who want to write a book or trying to write a book or struggling with writing a book or driving you crazy, begging for more time so they can write a book? Any any words of wisdom for the, the coach mom team member? Yes. Actually, when we go to conventions and we'll be coming up on our third convention season in the spring, I will purposely hang out in the booth while Cecilia and Solomon stand out in front of the table to sell their books. And they do a great job. And I'm there for support. But what I didn't realize was how many moms would pull me aside and want to talk homeschooling. And that's been really fun for me. I was a public school teacher before I had Cecilia, and I've been home ever since with her, but I was in the public school system for almost 10 years and um, as a special ed and elementary teacher, and then I went on to get my math, a reading and writing specialist. So reading and writing have always been in my wheelhouse, and it's really my favorite subject, uh, both my favorite subjects to teach. So for me, what I would encourage moms to do, because they, a lot of the moms that would talk to me would sort of have that deer-in-the-headlight look. Um, and they would always, almost always, start with the same question. How did you get your kids to write a book? And I would say to them, I didn't ask them to do it. They came and said, I'm writing a book. And I said, okay. So I made sure they had all the right tools. But that started when they were little. I mean, as soon as they could hold a writing utensil, whether it was a big fat piece of chalk or a jumbo pencil or jumbo crayon and some paper or a sidewalk, they were doodling and we were always reading every single day of their life. They've been read to and or have read themselves. And that's a huge part of becoming a successful writer, as I know, you know, and learning language and speaking um, age appropriate and even higher level vocabulary words. We didn't use a lot of baby talk. If, in fact, we really didn't use any because it's a, kind of a pet peeve of mine. So they've always been exposed to age-appropriate or advanced vocabulary. Yeah. And so, I'm so glad you mentioned that because, you know, as I travel around the country and try to, you know, answer the question, what should I do now if I want my children to be excellent writers and speakers of English, you know, 10, 15, 20 years from now? That's always my answers. Read to them out loud in huge quantity every day. It's the number one 
most important thing that you can do. So I'm so glad you said that. Yes. And, you know, for all those moms who may be listening, thinking, I'm too late. I've already got a 15-year-old who hates reading and writing and really struggles. I would say, take that little monkey off your back. And I'm not, I'm not referring to the child. I'm referring to the figurative <laughs> monkey. Okay. Um, and put them in IEW online. And Mr. Pudwa, I am not just saying this because I happen to be on your podcast right now. I would genuinely say this if I said it once, I said it a hundred times every convention season. Don't try and do it on your own. I, I happen to be trained in reading and writing, but I still put my children in IEW because there is something very real about the defense mechanism that arises when a child sees a parent's written criticism on their work. And it doesn't 100% disappear when it's an outside critic, but it significantly diminishes and is easier to accept. And so I found that to be the case with writing it more than any other subject, at least in my experience and in my opinion. And so I knew they were very good at what they did. I knew they were strong readers and I knew they were strong writers, but I wanted someone else to take the baton once they got into the junior and uh, junior high and high school years. And so Cecilia started in seventh grade. Uh, with Mrs. White, and it was wonderful. And then um, I think Solomon already mentioned he started, he came home in fifth grade, and he started right away with Mrs. Tribble and then Mrs. Kelly and then Mrs. White, and he'll be actually finishing his last year of IEW next year in 10th grade. But in addition to the online classes, Cecilia also did one of the theme-based writing books. It was the Bible-based writing theme book. Uh, We worked on that over the summer. And um, just like you had mentioned, constant reading and writing is always a co- going on in the house. And, and with uh, moms of little ones, and they say, how do I start? How do I lay the firm foundation? Read, 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 read. And um, for Cecilia, because she really is a, the creative writer in the house, I would get creative with even the writing tools I would buy for her. If it was a hot pink fur-covered journal, I was buying that. And if it was a pen with a giant neon flower on the end of it, I was buying it because I knew even just the tools were going to draw her in. And it made it more fun when um, I made it fun and provided things for her. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. You'll be at a number of uh, homeschool conventions next year. Uh, Historybites.com is the family website for all the books and all the updates. I just have one question for Solomon. I want to know if he knows the answer to a fun fact that's in his own book. (laughs) Who is the baby Ruth candy bar named after? Grover Cleveland's daughter, Ruth. Oh, you knew it. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I can stump the author on his own book. So, um, Schmidt family, thank you so much for joining us. It's been great. We will look forward to seeing you in person. We'll look forward to seeing your next wave of books and movies and whatever other wild ideas you get. And <laughs> have, a, have a good school year. And we'll see you in the spring. 
Thank you, Mr. All right, thank, you, Ms. thank you so much. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.